0: right, we are recording. (laughs) I forgot. Temporarily. Welcome listeners
1: to Snippet Sports Science Podcast, sponsored by EliteForm.com. I'm Jared Coleman-Stark, and today with me is Chris Cavilio. We are looking at an article called Total Number of Sets as Training Volume Quantification Method for Muscle Hypertrophy, a systematic review by Baz Valle and colleagues from the University of
0: Basque Country. This is quite a, a nice way of looking at how to quantify training volume. I think because you know traditionally we look at uh, parameters such as training intensity, you know expressed as a percentage of one repetition maximum, and also just training volume, um, you know sets times reps times load lifted to get some form of tonnage. And obviously the main challenge with training volume is its quantification. A good quantification method should imply similar muscle gains that match training volume independent of other training variables including intensity, training, frequency, rest between sets, movement, velocity, exercise order, etc. So as you can see there, there's lots of variables that we need to take into account to try and quantify this. Currently the total work completed, which is force by di- displacement, is considered as the best quantification method when aiming for muscle hypertrophy. However, given the difficulty to evaluate total work for each muscle group, other methods have been proposed as an alternative to quantified training volume, and as I said earlier, it's the classic volume load, which is sets times reps times kilograms, and that's potentially is the most used one in scientific literature at the present. The main advantage of using volume load is it's considered many training variables, as I mentioned earlier, although the total number of sets may differ between different training programs matched for this training volume. This contrasts with previous research, which suggests that similar muscle gains can be achieved when an equal total number of sets are completed close to muscle failure, independent of the number of repetitions and weight use. Here, I'm going to emphasize, once again, it's the total number of sets completed close to muscle failure. And that's going to be an important theme in this whole systematic review. And just as a side note, you know they said it's quite hard to actually calculate total work. As, you, as Jared and I have spoken about before, we, we're actually sponsored by EliteForm.com, and this is not a direct reason why we selected this. Is that's actually a function that they've now got on their system because they're using a camera system. They can actually monitor the distance that the bar travels and actually calculate work, which is quite an interesting parameter that they've been able to get into their system.
1: Excellent points, Chris. And actually, you can use that movement velocity as a measure of volume as well in a sense or at least a very good marker of the percent exhaustion that you've gotten into in a set so rather than being really nitpicky on how many reps did i do which at the end of the day is sort of a irrelevant absolute measure because you really want a relative measure of how much fatigue you produced in a set at least for hypertrophy And one of the best ways to be able to do that, as long as you're controlling for maximum velocity intent in a lift, is what velocity do you get down to within a set. So you know if you get to, say, 0.3 meters per second on a particular lift, you know that you've achieved a certain level of fatigue within that set.
0: So just back to the article here, the aim of this review was to analyze Training programs with different arrangements of number of sets, repetition range, and training frequency to determine whether assessing the total number of sets is a valid method to quantify training volume in the context of hypertrophy training. Did you want to just speak uh, for a moment just about the inclusion criteria, about how they selected the studies? Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that stood out to me quite a bit on the inclusion criteria was that
1: these all had to be studies that did not use any external implements i.e. pressure cuffs such as for blood flow restriction training or hypoxic chamber, which we've also talked about. I believe that was probably episode three that we covered, snippet three, that we covered hypoxic lifting. And that's very important to me because heat, hypoxia, blood flow restriction training can all metabolically increase the quote-unquote volume that the athlete is experiencing. And so if we want to look at the effect of number of sets per se, then we can't look at anything that might artificially inflate the stimulus to the athlete. And we know that blood flow restriction training, hypoxic train, hypoxic chambers, and certain styles of heat training can do that.
0: With respect to the studies selected, they looked at an initial collection of about 2,500 studies. And then after re- removing different articles and duplicates, 27 studies were determined to be potentially relevant to the topic based upon the information contained in what they were looking at, of which only 14 studies met the inclusion criteria. From that, they obtained
1: 359 trained athletes, 352 of which were men, and only 7 of which were women, typical, with an age range of 19 to 34 years. So this is a pretty large sample size due to the nature of the review and we should be able to pull out some pretty good information from that. So in relation to those female athletes, I just want to pull out that one study in particular, just because it was the only study that had any female athlete, and that was by Thomas and Burns. They had 12 male athletes and seven female athletes who each had about four years of training experience. With respect to the study by Thomas and Burns, they weren't really particularly looking at number of sets as a quantification method per se, they were more looking at the frequency of training. So they compared a group that was training once per muscle group per week versus a group that was training three sessions per muscle group per week. Both groups performed three sets of 8-12 to repetitions in each exercise for eight weeks. Fat-free mass and body composition were assessed by DEXA. And the results showed that no significant differences between the groups, suggesting that independently of training frequency, there were no differences in muscle hypertrophy when training volume is matched in terms of the number of sets and repetition range. So this is just an important study because it was the only one that actually included female athletes. I just wanted to highlight it for that fact. And it also just points out that you can do the exact same volume in one session per week, or that amount of volume spread out over three sessions per week and you'll have the same results, which to me is a pretty big finding in terms of time savings and efficiency. That if you have a set amount of volume to do in a week, you may very well be perfectly fine just going to the gym once per week versus that three times per week.
0: Also, perhaps we, could have, we should have said this a little bit earlier, but figure two is really good in terms of the proposal of training volume quantification using the total number of sets. So this is how that is it one or is it three. And it's a really simple figure. And in this case, is the training goal to increase muscle mass? So it just goes through the methodology. And as you go down through the figure, if it's yes, which is the reason to this review, Are most sets between 6 and 20 reps? And it keeps going down through, if it's no, they look at another quantification method. But essentially, how they come to the final point about if the total number of sets can be used to quantify volume quantification is essentially, are the repetitions in reserve less than four? If it's yes, that's how they then use the total number of sets for quantification. Essentially, you're pretty much getting close to fatigue. So I just thought I'd just highlight that point. Yeah, that was
1: an excellent figure. That's probably just about the best summary of this article possible. So just looking at each of these studies individually a little bit, I just pulled out some specific statistically significant effects that were determined in a lot of the studies. So in Gnomes et al., where they compared a high frequency to a high volume to a weekly volume training group, they found that the effect size favored the high frequency group. Then Schoenfeld and colleagues in a study comparing constant load versus varied load found that the effect size favored the varied load group. And Schoenfeld has done a lot of studies, so just looking at two more of his. In the second one, they compared a high load to a medium load or a moderate load, and they found that the effect size was higher in the moderate load versus the high load. And in their final third study here, they compared a low load to a high load And of course, they found that the effect size was higher in the high load group. In a final study that found statistical significance by you and colleagues, they compared a high frequency to a high volume to a weekly volume group, similar to that first study I noted. And they found that the effect size favored the high-volume group in contrast to the gnomes and colleagues study that had an effect size that favored a high-frequency group. So it could be that high high frequency or high volume could have better effect sizes.
0: I think a nice way to summarize the findings from this review is actually to go straight into the discussion because they actually go quite into quite a bit of detail with respect to each different variable in terms of volume and frequency and so forth. And their main finding in this review was that the total number of sets per muscle group to muscle failure or close to Seems to be an easy and reliable method to quantify training volume in experienced individuals who aim at hypertrophy. This review also showed that other variables such as training frequency per muscle group, training intensity, and repetition range do not alter the results provided when the total number of sets are matched. And it may be necessary for us to have experienced athletes
1: when we use sets as a quantification method, because with less experienced athletes, they may not be able to. Consistently obtain a relatively equal set. You know, among beginners, one set might vary pretty drastically from another set, whereas experienced lifters can be very consistent in how they perform that set and how much of a stimulus an individual set is for an experienced lifter.
0: Another point they made in the discussion was that although most of the studies meeting the inclusion criteria supported this hypothesis, when comparing low repetition ranges using high loads versus moderate reps, moderate loads, the effect sizes favoured training programs with moderate loads. A recent meta-analysis comparing low versus high loads reported that muscle mass gains were similar independently of repetition range and external load. Yet in most studies, the author described the low repetition protocol as a range of 6 to 12 reps. For these cases, the present review suggests that using the total number of sets to quantify a training volume is more accurate when the repetition range lies between 6 and 20 plus repetition than when it lies below six repetitions.
1: Personally, my theory behind that is, you know, all the time for hypertrophy, we really aim for that 80% fatigue or 80% exhaustion sort of metric within a set to be able to get a good hypertrophy stimulus for a muscle. And just on basic math, you know, to get to 80%, that means you need at least five repetitions. Because otherwise, for example, if you're doing a 3RM and you do two reps at your 3RM, that's only 67% fatigue. Is not particularly fatiguing. If you do one repetition on your two RM, that's only 50% fatigue. So in order for you to get to that 80% fatigue, you actually essentially need to go to failure on that set when it's a heavy set. So in order to get over 80% on your two RM, you need to do two repetitions. And we know that that is incredibly fatiguing. Not only are you doing a set to failure, but you're also doing a set to failure
0: at a heavy load. I'm just having to think here, Jared, and it would be interesting to get your thoughts when you're dealing with uh, say strength athletes who also say for example a discus thrower where you know you're using uh, reps between 1 and 3 you're using very heavy loads but you will not necessarily take them to fatigue but rather over the course of a four week uh, cycle or two four week cycles you actually want to achieve a maximum lift at the end of that because you're aware that you're lifting high loads in two or three lifts per session, and you also need them to be able to be functional to go and do their other sporting activity. So therefore, this makes it a little bit harder to actually use that as a quantification method, and that's perhaps where that may come into it. Right, and sort of similarly, maybe a little bit of a
1: tangent, but we know that sprinting can be a very effective hypertrophy stimulus as well. In relation to that sprinting, I personally think that it's a very effective stimulus for hypertrophy because of the metabolic stress that you get in a sprinting exercise. And that's what we believe here. We've talked about quite a lot. Metabolic stress involves cellular swelling, changes in the myokine production, generation of reactive oxygen species, and an acute hormonal response. And when you create metabolic stress, it induces adaptations, mainly by increasing your motor unit recruitment. As some of your motor units fatigue, others need to jump in there and help out. Uh, which implies that when you're using low loads, such as sprinting, for example, which is a low load resistance exercise, you're only moving the limb or your body, it's key to reach muscular failure or at least get close to it. And that's why we do sprints in that manner as well.
0: This all suggests that when comparing different training protocols or quantifying training sessions with a wide range of repetitions, sets must be close to muscle failure. So that's three or less reps in reserve. However, although performing sets to failure can potentiate muscle mass gains, doing it in a systematic way may be detrimental at a neuromechanic, so that's the force generation capacity and hormonal level. That's the cortisol and the testosterone alterations. Therefore, to optimize training quantification using the number of sets, it is recommended to take into account close sets to muscle failure.
1: And Another major constraint of the volume load as a quantification method becomes evident when different exercises are compared. For example, if we use volume load to compare leg press and squats at an equivalent relative intensity and using the same number of sets and repetitions, such as to failure, then the total tonnage and thus total weight will always be higher for the leg press because you can simply move more in a leg press than a squat. However, In a real-life scenario, the perceived effort when performing these exercises will be similar or even higher for the squat because it requires more muscles to complete the movement because of the stabilization requirements and because of a higher muscle activation. Therefore, when the goal is to compare training loads at different times of season and the recommended exercises vary, then volume load may not be the best choice for training volume quantification. In addition, according to Amir Thalengam and colleagues, when certain training volume is achieved, there are
0: no further muscular gains. So you only have to do so much. You know, sometimes in my own training, I always reflect upon what I do and or certain athletes when they get to a stage where they may not actually be making big shifts. And, you know, we use different methodologies such as heat, for example, of ways to, I guess, get those 1% in changes is, is that when you're lifting high loads, it's hard to keep pushing above that limit. Um, and so it just made me just think about that, saying like, you know, if we're not getting change in certain athletes, you know, perhaps we're not getting that high-end stimulus because it's just difficult to do. Yeah, very true. Yeah. say, so, yeah, back to your practical application. So the results of this review suggest that counting the total number of sets to or near two failure per muscle group can be an optimal strategy to quantify training volume in experienced athletes aiming at hypertrophy. Once again, this is hypertrophy. More specifically, the total number of sets can be used when the rep range lies between around 6 to 20 plus repetitions. Athletes and coaches can use this method to monitor the increasing load throughout a training mesocycle, as well as to compare training loads between different training blocks in an easy and reliable way. This approach requires further development to assess whether specific numbers of sets are key to inducing optimal muscle gains and may help to guide experimental inquiries into hypertrophy. However, just... Once again, from that practical point of view, it's easy. You can actually look at in these certain training blocks that how many sets are you doing to failure? Or in particular, you know that you want to be achieving a certain number. And that's probably another way of looking and saying, right, over this week or over the mesocycle, we want to ensure we're achieving X number of sets to failure per muscle group because we want to be eliciting that change. And if we're not moving forward, we're probably not going to make those gains.
1: Excellent summary, Chris. Thank you. I remember when
0: I saw this article come
1: out, I think it was June or July last year, 2018. I think pretty much ever since then, for any of my volume training, I've mostly just used sets. It was just so convenient.
0: Yeah, it's right. It it is convenient. And I guess it's nice to look at it this way, because sometimes we think about overcomplicating things and to go back to a, a simpler way of looking at our training, I think is always quite important as a reflection process. Right.
1: I think between this article and that other article that was saying something along the lines of you want about 80% fatigue for hypertrophy stimulus, I think for pretty much all of my volume-based training, I've had those two concepts in mind that achieve a certain level of fatigue and do a certain number of sets. And that's pretty much all you need in a volume-based session and it's it's just much easier to keep track of and makes you focus on what actually matters in your lifting
0: yeah it's a good point there Uh, thanks jared for that
1: oh thank you chris thank you listeners please visit our website at snippetscience.com and also visit our sponsor at eliteform.com
0: see you next week